If you have your Bibles, open up to the book of James. We are, we're almost done with this wonderful epistle. How many of you guys have enjoyed studying the book of James? We, I don't know, I've enjoyed it. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a great book, but it's going to be time to say goodbye to our friends. So two or, I think I have today and possibly one or two more weeks, and that's it. Till we next week. James chapter 5, we're actually going to cover 7 through 11, <coughs> or possibly 12, and uh, we'll see how those all lead. So, let me just pray. Father, I just thank you for your word again, and just pray that, as you told Jeremiah, I will put my words in your mouth. And so, Lord, help us to understand your word, God. Holy Spirit, we ask you to help in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, James 5, 7. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. James has just, he has, winding down, he has addressed in the book of James, of course, uh, talking about maturity. That's one of the main points, maturity, especially maturity within trials. He begins James 1 by saying, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing, not detesting, but the testing of your faith, produces endurance and let that endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete or mature lacking in nothing and james has addressed various issues that that christians and believers have gone through over time and he has just got finished talking to people that were ri rich that were taking advantage of of poor christians in that day and in fact some of them were put to death so he says therefore be patient brethren until the coming of the Lord. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. Then he says, The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too, be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those, ble those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but your yes is to be yes and your no no, so that you will not fall under judgment. How many, let's go back to verse, verse 7. Therefore, he says, therefore, be patient. How many guys like to be patient? Be patient. That's not a word we like to have, no, it, uh, is it? The word patient, actually, in Greek, it, it's two words. It's macros, macro, which means large, and thumos, which means anger, and it means put together is to hold back that anger to hold back that anger it's it's uh, uh, it means to be even tempered to be to have a, a tranquil or a, uh, a, a, a a calm spirit while you're enduring stuff and specifically with the word patient it has more to do with being patient with people He says, be patient 
Um, in fact, that's why if you look at the first Corinthians for those things, he says, love is patient, right? That's the first thing it says. Love is patient. It's the top of the list. And, and love has to do with dealing with people, right? Loving other people. L- love is patient. And sometimes it's the hardest thing for us to do. I don't, I don't know about you, but I get impatient. You know, I want things done. I want people to behave how I want them to behave. And, and then we have to be patient. And now he's talking to a group of believers, and he's saying, y'all need to be patient. We need to be patient. Um, Paul uses that same word in, in multiple contexts regarding patient with people. In First Thessalonians, he says, We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone, even the guy who just cut you off. Be patient with everyone. Right? Oh, dude, you're hitting me right here. How many guys just uh, just uh, just don't have that? And thank- thankfully, the patience is, yeah, it, I see your hand back there. <laughs> thankfully, the patience is really is, is provided by the Lord. And, of course, we're looking to the Lord in the midst of being patient. Uh, we are to show humility and gentleness with patience, Paul says in Ephesians 4, showing tolerance for one another in love. So he says, be patient. Great, I can be patient. How long? Look what he says. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. Wait a second. What? What? I mean, I can be patient for a few minutes, maybe a couple hours, but you're telling me, telling us that we are to be patient our entire lives. That ought to be the character of our lives. Be patient until the coming of the Lord, which could be at any moment or could be after we die which means that could be a potentially long time of being patient, which means that you and I are going to go through life, and the reality of the fact is that life is always going to have its trials and tribulations and difficult people, right? Even if you go to a deserted island, there's still going to be something that's going to try your patience, right? This popular teaching that's out there that's saying uh, you can have your best life now is, not, is nonsense, it's complete nonsense. We're going to, in fact, in the context of what we just read, he's going to mention Job. Oh, wait, thanks for mentioning Job, James. I was hoping not to be with Job. And he says, no, let's learn some lessons from Job, he says. Some of us read Job and say, well, that's too bad for that guy, right? <laughs> and then the prophets, I'll tell you about the prophets. They, oh, and Jesus is going to tell us, you are going to incur trouble in this world. Thanks a lot, James. Thanks, Jesus. I was hoping for my breakthrough of not having no more trouble. James says, gear up, because guess what? Your life, and this is not a downer. The fact of the matter is that God is able to provide the strength you'll need to endure with people and circumstances. And it will be a supernatural thing that you can't explain it. It's not from a book other than this book, right? It's not from some seminar. I mean, there may be some things you can, can learn that can help you cope with you know, and go out and, and, you know, talk to God, right? And pray. But the reality of the fact is that as long as we are living on this earth, there's always a potential for something that's out of our control to happen. And people that God will allow in your life that will test you and try you. And James says, you need to be patient in your entire life. Now, in the span of eternity, that's not a long time, is it? James even mentioned that fact. Talk about 
uh, you're just a vapor back in chapter four. He says, don't you know that your life will be like, you don't know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that's here for a little while and it vanishes away. In the span of eternity, our life is like a vapor here and gone. So, so being patient, we think is a long time, but in the span of eternity, it's really nothing. He says, be patient, my brethren, until the coming of the Lord. I know a lot of us in this room and watching online, hello, the people watching online, um, all of us are, have gone through or are going through circumstances that are difficult, right? Trying. We're, we're on a road that we'd expect to be on, right? We're, we're encountering things that was not in our flight plan. And Lord says, be patient. Um, and don't look to yourself to be patient. Look to him. I'm so grateful for the gospel that because the gospel is not you jump so high so that you can reach salvation. The gospel is Jesus Christ dying on the cross for your sins and then sending his Holy Spirit to live his life through you. That's the gospel. That's 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 the God. That's the good news. He says that in, in the Old Testament, he says that through the prophets, he says, I'm going to write my laws on their hearts. And I'm going to cause them to, to live a certain way, be a certain way. Amen? So as you wait for the Lord, James says, adopt this attitude, this, this, this sort of this understanding that when you're dealing with people, you need to be patient. And then he says, until the coming of the Lord. The word until is, is it, it speaks of, of this goal, okay? It's a goal of, okay, until the Lord's coming, which means it ought to be, the, the general trend of our life as believers, as we walk with Jesus, and yes, we are, we, when we meet Jesus Christ for the first time, we, he saves us, he cleans us up, but then we begin a process called sanctification where then as we walk and follow him, we start walking like him, right? And so we're not perfected in the sense of I'm, I'm never going to, you know, blow it, but I'm hoping as I follow him more that more of him rubs up on me and less of me rubs up on other people, Right? That's why we're called followers of Jesus, right? That means it's actual relationship with Jesus. You and Jesus, and you following him. Disciple is means learner, right? That's what disciples were. They would follow their rabbis around, right? Rabbi so-and-so would have their disciples, and they would, they would follow him, spend time with him, and they would, they, would try to, they would do what he did. And that's what we do as Christians. If you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, that means there is this relationship between you and the Lord, and he goes there. So he says, be patient until the coming of the Lord. The word there, the coming of the Lord is the parousia, which is the second coming. You know, we're waiting for the, that's the next main event. We're waiting for the Lord to come, right? And, and, to, and to, you know, restore things and to be a savior, that, you know, and a judge and everything else. And, and he talks about, about his coming. But James is saying, be patient during that time. But then he goes, um, in, the last, in the second part of, of verse 7, he gives us sort of an illustration or a picture he says this, he says, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late, late rains. The, the farmer, he waits. The word wait is, it means to wait with expectancy, that something's going to happen. How many guys have, how any farmers in the house? Any gardeners? Anybody like to plant anything? Green thumb people. <laughs> yeah. Any? We thought about that, right? We, 
having a garden in a, a garden garden in the backyard, and I would love to do that. You know, have a I would know the first thing, you know. But you know, I mean, I remember when you were a kid and you come home and or you in a kindergarten you bought the seeds, you know, you bought the little plants for grandma, you know, and they and you or you plant you got seeds and you planted. I, I remember my grand my mom's mom, she she had things that would just grow, right? And I remember taking a piece of a plant, you know, like a little leaf thing of a plant and then giving to grandma and then the next time you came over she had the whole thing fl- flowing out right and the farmer knows the farmer he he knows how to be patient right the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil he he knows he he knows let's let's let me just tell you some lessons from the farmer i was thinking about I, i'm not a farmer but i i understand that you have to get the soil ready right you have to prepare the soil you have to Mow it or not mow it? What's the word? Till it. You mow your grass. <laughs> See, I'm not. I, I'm not a farmer. <laughs> farmer Jonathan. <laughs> I'm not a farmer. But the farmer, he understands that part of the process is waiting, right? And part of the process is that once he's tilled it and he's planted it and he's and he. Now, in that day, they didn't have irrigation in the sense of, you know, turn on your faucet and, and spray your... No, they had actually had to wait for actual rain. And in Israel, there's two... Uh, bless you. There's two uh, main rainy seasons that would happen. The early rains, then later they had time in, like, October, November. And then... And that's what that was needed for the, the seed to get its initial water and to start sprouting. And then they had the latter, which is, like, in the springtime. And the, the farmer understood that he had no control over what happened from the sky, right? So he was in his family, you know, that was their life, right? There's no going to Safeway or Walmart if the crops don't grow. It's, that's your life. So he understood that when he planted that seed and he did what he could do, the rest was out of his hands. Oh, can you imagine? He's like... Can you grow now? You know, you, you, that's right. There's no, you can, you can, you can scream at it, yell at it, bribe it, but the seed is out of his hands, right? And part of being patient <coughs> is understanding that there are things out of our hands. There are things we give to God. We, we entrust God with those things, right? We are to be patient with people, right? The word really mean patient with people which means we are to rely on the Lord to give us the strength and the wisdom to deal with people, but trust him to deal with us and with them as well. And part of the process with, 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 uh, with the, the farmer is, is he, when he sows, he understands things are out of his control. And now he's waiting and he's trusting. And if he's a good farmer, he's been part of the process. He understands the cycle and the process of things. And he understands that there's a time that is necessary for the stages of growth. And then if you were to, after the first rain, pull up the seed, he would be premature in the things that God was doing underneath the surface. See, sometimes we want to sort of yank things out and pull, okay, it's, I think it's ready, God. No, it's not. I'm still working on things beneath the surface. See, God is often doing things in our lives that are beneath the surface that no one else has seen but, but God, right? And maybe you sense there are certain changes that has happened in your life and in your heart, like, I used to react differently. Now, like, I don't find myself getting irritated anymore at this particular problem. That's because God's been working beneath the surface. And God, <coughs> and God doesn't work on our timetable. He works on his own timetable. He's not a microwave. He's God. He's always on time. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what he needs to work in your lives. 
that's out of your sight, out of your control. Praise God, right? Now, if it was me, I'd just press a button. Boom, instantaneous, like instant coffee, right? But God deals with slow, percolating, simmering on his timetable. And sometimes people are still in process. You and I are still in process with the Lord, with the, with the thing that God wants to do in our lives. The farmer plants or sows with the expectation that what will come out of the ground is of more value than what went into the ground. And that's the whole thing. While you're being patient in your life, God is doing something as of tremendous value. And it's his work. Amen? It is his work. <coughs> the farmer understands that, that both the latter and former rains are, are necessary uh, for the process. He understands that he can't rush the process. He understands that really it's a time of waiting and trusting. <coughs> and so he says the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the, l the early and late rains. Maybe God is telling you and I to be patient with the things he's doing and to trust him. And to trust him. To trust his work. To trust his unseen work. Maybe it's a loved one that you are concerned about that you really want to yank that half-growth seed out of them to brush it along. And God says, wait a second. I'm not ready yet. I'm still working here. It's amazing what God can do without your and I, with yours and without our help. Amen. How many guys like to have fruit that's not ripe? I remember the, I remember the, and you go to the store and you buy the green bananas, right? <laughs> and then two days later they're brown, right? <laughs> or you go to the store and you buy strawberries that have the little fuzzy things before you get out of the car. They're already, but. There are certain things, you, you want ripe things, things that are ripe, things that are, that are ready to, okay, now we're ready, you know. And Sharon and I have been juicing lately, and I've learned how to recognize the pineapple. I'll, I'll get a pineapple, you know, and I'll cut it. I watch a YouTube video on how to cut pineapple. Now, you know, I'm sort of an expert on it. But I'll recognize that if I buy it, it's too green, it's too firm, it's like, oh, okay, it's not. But then it has a certain feel and smell to it. Oh, now it's ready, you know. And sometimes we want to rush things along, and God's like, no, I'm not, mm -mm, not yet. And entire lives is a life of patience and trusting. I trust, bless you, I trust, I trust, we have, I trust, Lord, I'm going to trust that you're going to complete what you started in my life. And I don't know how you're doing it, but I'm going to trust that you are working on, on me. You know? I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be like the farmer. All right. Verse 8. <coughs> so he says, he says, you too, be patient. Um, strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. So now he's, he's still on the patient thing. And he says, now he says, you too, strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. So he's mentioned the coming of the Lord again. But this time he's saying now it's near. And we'll get to that in a second. The word strengthen is the word, uh, it's a hard to pronounce word. It's S-T-E-R-I-X, or anyway, uh, steri Zate. Uh, it means to strengthen or establish, to confirm. It means to be to make a resolute or determination. Okay, it's it denotes courage and an attitude, a commitment to stay the course. He says, "You too, be patient, strengthen, 
be committed, be determined, be established, be resolute with the course that God has given you. It's the, it's the word that's used in, in Luke 9.51 that says that Jesus uh, was resolute to go to Jerusalem. He set his face to go to Jerusalem. That, that he had that determination. That's the same word that's used there. Okay? It's this inward commitment that, that says, despite what life may give me, I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to be determined to, to stay the course, right? It's this, it's, um, it's this, you're settled in your mind. I know there are things that come, and I'm going to trust the Lord along the way. And it doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it's going to be along the way. I'm going to trust the Lord. Um, it's a, it, the word is also used to strengthen other people as well. Because in the life of, of faith, the life of, of Christ, we need strength from one another, don't we? How many guys have felt when you are discouraged, you want to give up, but there's that friend who calls you up and says, "Hey, keep going. I'm praying for you." How many guys realize that when you become, when you go isolate yourself in the midst of hardships and trials, many of us want to want to seclude ourselves because we we just want to handle it. What we need is encouragement from one another. Amen. So that's what we're called the body of Christ. That's why watch, no offense, but, but staying in your home, watching YouTube videos of church services is not going to church because there's no encouragement from other people. They can say, how can I pray for you? Hey, what's going on? I'm thinking about you today. You know, you give somebody a phone call, you give them a text. Somebody, br- God brings that person to your mind. That means God tells, is telling you, call that person, reach out to that person, you know. We need that. There are times, and Jesus needed that when he was praying in the garden. Friends, can you pray? I need you really, I need prayer right now. Peter, James, and John. So that word strengthen is used um, um, uh, a couple times. I'll just tell you, uh, one is in Luke 22, uh, where Jesus says, uh, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. Satan wants to get a hold of you and just mess with you right now, right? He wants to, he wants to, he wants to really challenge and test you. But I prayed for you. Jesus says, he says this, he says, but I prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And you, when, when you have once again uh, returned or turned again, strengthen your brothers. In other words, you're going to deny me, deny me what, what, when you're restored, I want you to go and strengthen your brothers. I want you to help them be resolute in their faith, right? I want you to encourage them, to, to establish them as well. Paul says, when, he went, when he's writing to the Romans, he says, I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that, I may be, that you may be established or strengthened, right? So God calls all of us to have some part in the strengthening in people's faith, encouragement, and helping. I can go on various verses. First Thessalonians 3, he says, We sent Timothy, our brother, and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith. So, so James is saying, listen, you too be patient and strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. He says, you need to have determination in your hearts and be encouraged and to wait patiently for the Lord's return. And life is going to have a struggle. There's going to be a struggle in this life. We're all going to face it. We're all facing it. And until the Lord comes, we're going to need to be encouraged. And you're going to have to determine you're in it for the long haul, not giving up. Right. Years ago, I was running. I was running marathons, right? And marathons are long. They're like 26, 26 miles, right? You go through all the months of training, and you you kind of prepare for it. And 
you know, and the longest run that I, I, you would do is like a 20-mile run, and you take your time, you go really, really slow, and, so, you know, and you're kind of getting your body ready. But then when race day comes, you have this, all right, I'm in it now. This is a real deal, right? And, it's, and I'm running this race, and the finish line is way out there, but I'm determined to, 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 to go there, right, and to finish that. That's the same idea James is talking about. Have you been struggling with your faith? Have you wanted to give up? Let me encourage you that God himself will encourage you. Jesus Christ is praying for you. He says, the scripture says that he, he's in heaven right now interceding for us. And he's praying for you. But don't be a Lone Ranger Christian in your struggles and your faith. A lot of people will encourage you. All right, verse, where was I at? Are you guys following with me or am I? All right, all right, okay. So he says, you two be patient for the coming of the Lord is near. I got to comment on that, okay? Okay, Jesus, you said you're coming soon, right? And it's been 2,000 years. And some people will say, well, see, Jesus didn't, he was wrong because he hasn't come back in years. Not, that's 2,000 years, that's not really near. Let me explain it to you. In the, in the, in the calendar of salvation history, okay, in the calendar of salvation history, the very next thing that has to happen is the return of Christ. In fact, the last days began at, uh, in Jesus' time at the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. Peter's quoting from the, from the book of Joel and says that the Holy Spirit will be poured out in the last days. Oop, time clock has just started. Tick, 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 tick. And for 2,000 years, we've been living in the last days. He said, well, how do you know it's near? Okay. Let's, let me give you an illustration. How many of you guys like going to the DMV? Yeah, no one. Yeah, I just I, I realized no one likes to go to the DMV. So let's just, okay, so let's, in the old days when you had to stand in line, actually stand, you went there, right? You used to grab the ticket thing. Remember the ticket thing? You know, A64 or E19 or whatever, you know? And so you're waiting in line. You're waiting in line. You're waiting in line, right? And now you actually are at the front of the line. And you're A number 10, and it's A number 9 being served. You're the next number, unless they go to B's and stuff, but you're the next number that's going to be called, right? You're next in line, but you don't know when they're going to call that number, are, do you? That person, that it's probably one person and 10,000 people waiting in line, and one person, everybody else took the day off, they're all called in sick, and one person, so you're like, I'm the next number, but I don't know when I, my number will be called. That's what Jesus is talking about. The very, very next event is the calling of Christ. Come, church, I'm, I'm come back for you, right? That's the next event. You got the ticket if you're a believer in Jesus. We don't know when that number is going to be called. We don't know. No one knows the hour, of day or the hour or the day, right? That's, the ne- that's what he's talking about by, by near. It's the next thing that's going to happen. So he says, he says, Strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. That's the nearness. The kingdom of God is near, Jesus would say. The kingdom of God is at hand. Children, it's the last hour, First John says. It's a, everything. It's an, it's the, it's, we're coming on the, on, the, on the very edge, and it is very near. And especially in light of eternity, it's the next major thing that has to happen. It's near. And James James, James says, oh, by the way, be ready. <laughs> be patient. Be ready. I don't know about you, but I don't want to have lived my life 
wasting my time not being ready. I don't know, God, if God will call me home, I hope I live a long, a long, long life. My father-in-law is he's a good, good for his age. I don't want to say his age. That, I don't want to. I hope I live as long as he does, he, you know. But if the Lord's will is that he takes me home a different day and sooner than that, that's, I hope I'm ready and that I've lived my life in such a way that I don't have to be ashamed, right? James says, strengthen your hearts for the Lord's coming is near. Then verse 9, then he says, do not complain. What happens when you're waiting? What happens with trials and tribulation? What happens with difficult? It's easy to complain. It's like, oh, I can't stand this person. James says, don't complain against one another so that you yourselves not, may not be judged. The word complain is the word uh, uh, stenazo, which means to sigh or to groan, to complain. And it's like, Ugh, you know, and, and, and it's this, this, we have this groaning. And, and yes, part of life is dealing with difficult circumstances and people. But James says, uh, be careful. Because he says this, he says, do not complain, my brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. In James, every time he speaks about speaking or how we talk, there's always a judgment linked to it. Okay? Uh, several times in James 3 1 let not many of you become teachers people who speak like I do my brethren knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment what we what comes out of our mouth will be judged more strictly uh, James 4 11 do not speak against one another brethren he who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law there's only one lawgiver and judge that's Christ right and then now in James 5 9 don't complain be careful what you say. And James says, be careful because the judge is near. You see that? So that you will not be judged. He says, well, I thought, I don't ha I thought I'm not going to face judgment. Okay, let me explain this. Jesus Christ took on the judgment and wrath of God for us. If you're a believer, he took your place, right? Praise God. Because if you're not in Christ, you'll receive the wrath that he received. Because you'll spend eternity in hell. But if you're a Christian, we will be judged by how we walk as Christians. And the judgment is not for salvation, but more for rewards or lack of rewards. And this is something that Paul talks about in 1st in, uh, and 2nd Corinthians. He talks about in 2nd Corinthians, this, the judgment seat of Christ. He says that we, will all, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, 2nd Corinthians 5.10, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good and bad. So in one sense, we live with the light of eternity and says, Jesus is coming back. I need to be patient with how I live my life. But I also realize that there's, um, there's going to be a, a sort of life review with me and Jesus, and Jesus is going to go over my life and say, okay, now let's, let's see how you, how you live your life, you know. And I take that seriously, you know. Lord, help, it, help me to be the – help me be faithful to your word and be faithful in what I do and say. And I know I, and he's forgiven me for the things I've done in the past, but I take that seriously. Right? So James is saying, be careful how you talk and, 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 and complain so that you not be judged because the judge is standing right at the door. And we can note uh, um, 1 Corinthians 3, uh, verses 13 through 15. 
He says, each man's work will become evident for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire uh, itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built re- on it remains, he'll receive a reward. If any man's work is gir- built up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. So all this is keeping the coming of the Lord in mind. I did say I was going to go to verse 11 or 12, didn't I? 11 or 12? Okay, maybe I'll go for 11. How's that sound? But Jesus Christ is our hope because we don't have to stand under the judgment of God. But as a believer, we, do ha- we will have a judgment that's different. It's for rewards or not. Then he says in verse 10, As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Um, the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. You don't realize the prophets were constantly rejected. Constantly rejected. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple, um, a couple ideas. Um, go to, first of all, go to uh, the book of Matthew. I just want to share something from Matthew 5. Uh, and we know that James quotes a lot from, from Jesus, and especially from the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew 5, uh, let's go to verse, uh, uh, verse 11 and 12. just want to read a couple, couple of verses regarding this. Jesus says, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. By the way, just because you are are facing tribulation and trial from the world doesn't mean that God has rejected you. That's the world. Jesus says the world's going to hate you. If you're a believer, Jesus, the world's going to hate you. Stop trying to become friends and be like the world. What are we doing? And, and not this church, but as li- the church as a well, whole, we, we feel like we have to cave into what the world wants to have. It's like, wait a second, we're salt and light. We have one person we're supposed to please. That's Jesus Christ, not the world. Be careful if, the, if all men speak well of you, Jesus says. That's, be careful, right? The world has different standards, different ways of looking at things. And Jesus says, they're going to hate you. In fact, he says, they're going to put some of you in prison. They're going to arrest some of you because they don't like me. How to win friends and in influence people, right? <laughs> Matthew 23. Go to Matthew 23. Are you guys still with me? All right. Matthew 23, verse uh, 34. Watch this. Therefore, behold, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll slow down. Matthew 23, 34. I did not have coffee this morning, so I don't have an excuse for being, I'm just naturally Jesus says this, Matthew 23, 34. Therefore, behold, I am sending you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, so that upon you may fall the guilt of all the righteous blood shed on earth, and the blood from the blood of the righteous Abel, who's the guy who was the first time, the first murder committed in Genesis 4, to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Zechariah. That's in Second Chronicles, I think, chapter 24. And Jesus has a lot to say, but James uh, is referring to the prophets of old. Um, let me just, get, just tell you a couple of them. Jeremiah, here's Jeremiah. Jeremiah was hunted down. He was arrested, and people he knew from his hometown who knew him his whole life testified against him. In fact, the judge decided to write the word verdict before he heard the testimony of anybody else. 
okay? Jeremiah is arrested on multiple, he's arrested and beaten, Jeremiah 20. He's arrested and put in a jail. Um, by the way, when, J- when Jesus, when Jesus, well, the Lord Jesus, you know, when God calls Jeremiah, Jeremiah says, you know, he says, Jeremiah, you're going to preach for 40 years and you're not going to have any converts. Now imagine that, 40 years of preaching and not one person is going to listen to you. Tell that to the church girl people, right? And you know how to how to win, you know that's no. Jesus, God, God says it's going to be difficult, and it's and Jeremiah was like, you know, he still was faithful. And there were times when Jeremiah wanted to give up and give in, and just not do anything. But he says, I can't help but tell the word that God's put to my heart. So he's beaten, put in the jails, in the jail. He's he's taken, he's thrown into a cistern, he's arrested. Uh, and then there's Zechariah, the son of Berechiah. He uh, he's actually was was uh, was stoned to death. Second Chronicles 24 talks about that. Ezekiel, fantastic prophet of God, uh, who was constantly opposed by the leaders, who humili- humiliated him. And at one point, God says, "You're going to lose your wife, who is your only support in this matter, but you can't grieve for her." Ezekiel, your your life is going to die, but you're not allowed to grieve for her. Daniel's taken to captivity, and then um, Isaiah, we think Isaiah was sawn in two. Go to Hebrews 11. Go to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. And... uh, Verse 35, Hebrews 11. Oh, verse 35. Okay, he's in the midst of talking about uh, people who were faithful in, in the past. And he says, Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they might obtain a better, res- better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Tradition says that Isaiah was sawn in two. We think that's Isaiah. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, wandering in the deserts and mountains and and caves and holes in the ground. Where is this in the popular Christian books of today? James is saying we need to endure the sufferings that this life might have. Now, I pray that none of us experience bad things, okay? I'm, I'm praying that God gives us, but don't be surprised if there are things that happen in your life that are out of your control, that are difficult, that will cause you to lean on the Lord ever so more. Because that's where you exactly need to be. That, cause, that purifies the prayers. You know, your prayers become more intense and more sincere. You can get rid of all the nonsense. You get right to the heart of the matter. That's what trials and tribulations do for you, right? And at the end of the story, you say, Lord, thank you. Right? Uh, he, he mentions, uh, we'll get to the reflash. He, he mentions Job. Right? Job who, who lost his kids. Job who lost his wealth. Who lost his, who lost everything. Right? 
I'm not going to read the story of Job, but at the story of Job, along the way, he doesn't realize that his faith is being demonstrated and tested, right? And early on, when his wife says, just curse God and die, he says, shall we accept evil uh, and not good, or good only from God and not evil? The Lord has given, has taken away. That's, and later on in the story, when, he's, when God has taught him, by the way, God doesn't even have to tell you why he's allowing things in your life, but you still would trust him. Say, Lord, help me to trust you. At the end of the story, go to Job 42, and I'll finish up. Go to Job 42. Job is uh, before the Psalms, so if you find Psalms. Go to Job 42, last chapter. Verse 10. Remember, Job has lost his kids. I don't ever want to have to bury my kid, my children, both my kids. He lost his, his sons and daughters. He lost his health. He lost his reputation. People accused him. Everything. He doesn't understand why is this going on. What have I scratching his head? What have I done wrong? His friends, well, you must have sinned, Job. It's your fault because God only punishes sinners. And God's like, that's not it. Actually, Job is the most faithful man on earth, and I'm actually showing him off. But at the end of the story, at the end of the day, it says the Lord restored the fortunes of Job, and he prayed for his friends, and the Lord increased all that Job had. And he had his family comes and comforts him, and uh, the Lord blesses him, verse 12, with all kinds of stuff, right? He's got kids. But Job will probably tell you at the end of the story, that what he went through was worth it. Because he learned something about God. The compassion and mercy of God. That's what James is talking about here. We see those who endure the hardships, the suffering and patience of God. The mercy of God. Go back to James. We'll finish, we'll finish the, uh, the whole story. So in the midst of whatever suffering, by the way, when he says endure, enduring difficult circumstances be patient with people right whatever we are facing it is going to be a journey of trusting the lord and god refining our faith there's no way around about it but in the span of eternity what god does below the surface in the midst of those times is beautiful and what he's doing in your life is necessary to create that gem right it's necessary to refine your faith. And had it not before the situations and things he's, he's allowed in our lives, we would not be the believer that we are. Amen? And so I don't know, I don't understand God's process, but I trust him. I trust him in the process. And he's perfect and he's good. And he will finish what he starts. And at the end of the day, when we get to heaven, we won't remember any of the hardships. We'll be like, thank you, Jesus. And it will all be worth it. It will all be worth it. It will all be worth it, right? And right now, while we're in the midst of it, let's encourage one another. Let's, let's strengthen one another's faith. Let's pray for one another, right? We see somebody trailing off. Let's go and, and, and be, their, be their help, you know? Let's love one another. Let's be determined on following Christ till he comes back or till we die. Amen? And that's what James is trying to tell his, his church, and he's trying to tell us. 
Be patient, because it'll be worth it in the end. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you, Lord, that every word is inspired by you, and you, ha- you, you speak to us, Lord, through your word. And Lord, I pray for, for those of us who are, who are feeling it even more right now. are going through things that, that, that can't be shared, that the struggle's real, and they're wondering, where is God in all this? Lord, I pray that as you told Peter uh, that, that, that you would strengthen their faith, Lord, and encourage them, Lord, even right now, God. They don't understand and see why this, whatever they're going through is, is, is happening. Lord, it's not a sign that you're displeased with them, Lord. It may be a sign that you're working in their lives. Lord, help us to be a body of believers that that is encouraging to one another and and they press on. Lord, thank you for for your faithfulness, Lord. Thank you for being patient with us and for working in our lives. Help us, Lord, to trust you in every scenario that we face. Help us, Lord, to look forward to that day when we will see you face to face. Help us be ready for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow. James is pretty hard-hitting, so. <laughs> but that's, it's okay. He's, he's good. Why don't we stand up? Why don't we stand up? I gave you a lot today. I don't know, but it's just a lot of a lot of stuff. But I think the Lord had a reason for it. Moses told Aaron to bless my people by placing my my, my name on them with these words: "The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you." Give you a peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Did I forget a verse? The l- I, I did. I, yeah, I remember. I, I did it all. Like every single week. It's the same. But guess what? God bless you. All right? We love you guys. All right. Take care. We'll see you next time. Blessings.